How do we grow? By strength or resolve? Can we make it so? Can we shape the course of our lives according to our purpose and designs? Or add a single hour to the measure of our time? How can we ever venture into what is unknown when we are incapable of the smallest change on our own? Looking back over the span of our lives, we can see the marks that testify to how far we've come, how much we've grown, how much of His grace we have been shown. The marks of maturity on our lives, the evidence of the work of Christ, the seed that He has planted in our heart. The Lord has also watered and will refine every part. It is His intention to give it growth until it comes to fruition. He has sealed it with His oath that He who began this good work in you will see it through. In this lies our hope, not in what we do. But we do not grow alone. Our roots are intertwined, one with another, so that your strength is mine. While we wait in expectation, no growth can be seen. The tender shoots that so quickly spring up must grow strong, lest they remain frail and green. Would we be overwhelmed by perils in store that His timing seeks to prepare us for? Let us endure our trials with patience, for it's in His goodness that we trust and hold fast to our commitment, resting in His faithfulness to us. His goal is for our good. On this our assurance falls, that He who began this good work will surely make it grow tall. Let's pray together. God, I ask that like giant redwoods in a forest, we might stand in the midst of this culture with ever shaking ground, God, that we would stand on the firm foundation on Jesus Christ. So God, where we find ourselves today, would you plant us firm? Would you give us nourishment? It's our longing, God, to be people who people say in future generations passed on this deposit of faith. And so God, would you do that again today, even remind us of this story. I pray, God, you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, I still remember the vacation that we took from San Diego, California, where we were living at the time when I was about 10 years old, up to Northern California, past San Francisco, to the great redwood forest. Some of you have been there, probably. In fact, I'd like to know, how many of you have seen the redwoods, the sequoias, Southern Oregon, Northern California, maybe other places in the world? It's incredible. And I still remember this feeling of, of, of looking up at these trees as this young child of trying to, as a family, wrap our arms around trees that we couldn't even get around and feeling this sense of awe and majesty that I am so small and something must be there that is so much larger than me. You get the same feeling when you stand out uh, in the country late at night with the stars in the sky, the sense that there's something bigger than me. I'm caught up in a story 
much larger than myself, and God, I hope you're looking out for me because I seem so small in the midst of this. And and I want to run with this theme, this image of rooted, of trees that stand firm in the midst of of a culture that seems to be moving all the time, because I think more than ever, the culture needs churches and Christians that will stand firm, that will stand tall like redwoods in a forest in the midst of an ever-changing culture. Amen? And this image fits this church, doesn't it? Because our name is Greenville Oaks. We are a tree in our logo, right? This sense that something is growing and something needs roots in order for it to grow. And yet, how do we judge a tree? We judge a tree by the fruit. We judge a tree by what's above ground, don't we? We try to determine if it's a good tree or not. And that's fair. Jesus says to us, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So, of course, we see things above the ground, but the only way a tree bears fruit is if its roots are planted firmly in the source of life. And as a church, our hope, our prayer is that we can continue to be a place that plants its roots firmly in the ground, firmly in the source of our life, so that we might be trees in the midst of a culture that needs it as much as ever. This morning, to go with this image, I want to come from the, the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, open to the middle of, of your Bibles to that book of Psalms, to the first Psalm, Psalm 1. And as we begin this series that will last several months, actually, some mini-series in a larger series, I want to begin with this image of this tree of, of rootedness and this message of good news that's provided here in Psalm 1. It reads, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I don't know how many of you are tree experts or have looked into the root systems of redwoods, but I did some searching this week and I was kind of shocked by what I found because my assumption was for a tree to stand that tall, and some of these redwoods will stand 350 feet above the ground. That's more than a football field tall. I had to think that these roots had to run so deep into the ground that there was nothing that would shake it. But when I looked into it, it's interesting because that's not the case. The the roots of redwood trees only go about five or six feet into the ground. And I'm thinking, how in the world does does a tree that tall stand in the midst of all the forces of nature? But what I did find out is the root systems work because the roots can spread broadly up to a hundred feet from the source where the tree is. So it may not be all this depth that's there, but these trees actually begin to kind of grow together. The the root systems begin to interlock and they can actually kind of join forces. This picture kind of gives you an idea of what these roots do. You may see this above ground too if you've been there, that sometimes they grow out of the ground and overlap with one another. And is there not a sermon in that, right? This message that, yes, we need deep roots, but we also need interconnected roots. And if there's not... A more important message than this, I'm not sure what it is. 
This is a vital message for us to understand as the people of God, is our systems, our root systems have to run into the ground, but they have to be interconnected in a community of people doing this all together. Because a church has to be rooted in something significant if it's going to do something significant in the world around it. Amen? I want to look again at what the psalmist says in Psalm 1. So if you would go with me back to verse 1, and I want to take a look again at this passage. Pay close attention. It says, The blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, pay attention to the progression of this passage. The one who's blessed is not the one who does this. Okay, this is like the wicked as it's described later. The, the wicked, those who are not rooted in the ground do this. They, they walk in step with the wicked. You get this sense of kind of someone walking around, right? But then it's not just walking close to sin or walking close to the wicked. Now the progression is or stand in the way of sinners. But eventually it's not just walking or standing. Sin finally gets to a place where now we're sitting in the company of mockers. And if you've ever been caught up in an addiction or a sin cycle, which all of us struggle from time to time, right? Some of us have almost lost our lives to struggles like this. How many of you found this progression as you were walking toward that? It was easy to walk and kind of look at things, and then it was easy to stand in the midst of it, but then you find yourself and you're you're sitting right among the sin you never imagined that you would. And what the psalmist is saying is this is not a good progression. There's nothing that's rooted about this. And then Uh, He moves on to talk about the result of this kind of life in verse 4. Not so the wicked. They're like shaft that the wind blows away. Now Jesus uses this image of shaft in the the New Testament, talking about threshing wheat and the shaft that gets kind of tossed aside in the midst of this. And the wind carries that shaft uh, off. Most uh, things like cereal grains and a lot of things that we consume have this shaft, this Husk, a popcorn, uh, for instance, is kind of an image of this. Uh, something that gets kind of taken away in the midst of uh, being refined, in the midst of being prepared for the meal. In fact, I was talking this week with David Crazer, and, and, and David's doing a lot of uh, coffee work. And when you roast the coffee, there is shaft that comes off the, the coffee he talked about, off the bean. It gets kind of taken away, and the wind just kind of does with it what it wants. You try to dump it into a trash can, and it just kind of continues to expand. And that's because those who are wicked, those who who walk and stand and sit in the way of those who are evil, there's no rooting to those kinds of people. Some of you have been in this situation, haven't you, that all it took was any call from anyone on a Friday night and you were there because there was nothing that was rooting you to a decision to land your life in a certain place. There was nothing that was holding you steady, knowing who you are. Whatever was around you was going to be the influence that took you where you went. So this is the bad news of Psalm 1, but there's good news that comes with Psalm 1 as well. So let's start over in in verse 1 again. So blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The righteous are not people who are blown with the wind wherever that goes. The righteous are people who are like trees. They're firm. They're planted by the living life source that gives life to it and controls it and keeps it where it needs to be. And because of that source, because of the root system, it produces fruit because it's drawing source from the life source, the water, the sun, and all of these elements. And I know some of us have experienced that before, haven't we? 
Those points in our life where there's nothing that can shake you. You just made this decision, perhaps, to follow God, and you were firmly planted. There was nothing that was going to take you aside. But isn't life a series of ups and downs? Aren't there times where our roots are firm and other times where not so much? But God longs for His people to be people with deep roots. Like giant redwoods intertwined with our root systems, God longs for us to live in such a way with one another that nothing can tear and uproot us. And I believe this is God's will for the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ. I believe that God has planted this church firm over the, over the generations, over the years that it has been here. I'm grateful for those who, who planted seed years ago, who, who put it in the ground and made sure that this was a place that would be a place of, of health in the midst of, of other places that don't experience that. If you've ever been in an unhealthy church, you know what I'm talking about. Any wind that kind of blows in can take people off course. Anything that happens can, can uproot that thing. But this has been a church that I pray will continue to be in that way. I'm so glad my kids are growing up in this church family. I'm so glad to get to be a part of you all as well. And in order for us not to be uprooted, we cannot grow complacent. It's time to go back for us to me to the fundamentals of faith. That's really what this series is about. And that may be disappointing to some of you who are further down the journey. Why do we have to go back to the fundamentals or the basics? But I'm here to tell you in a culture that is always shifting and changing, we have to raise a generation that knows the rootedness of faith, that knows what the basics are, that knows the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of us who've lost our rooting need the same thing. To be reminded of what our life source is. It's not in all these changing patterns. It's not in all these fads that come in and out of the church. No, there is a root. There is a center that holds us together, and we're called to go back to it. So what are we to be rooted in? Well, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. Now, what's the law of the Lord? The law of the Lord for the psalmist is the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These books form the law that was so important for the Jewish people to understand. It was a source of life in the midst of coming into a new land and the promised land and living a life there. But the Jewish people found it difficult to follow that law. They could never perfect living that out in the ways that they were called to by God. And so what did they do? They lost their rooting. They get exiled and they get sent off uh, to foreign lands. But eventually they come back and there is hope that God sends into the world about this law and about being fulfilled. And I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me if you would. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says something fascinating about this law of the Lord that's important for us to see as we move forward in the days to come. Matthew 5, verse 17. These are the words of Jesus. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus came into the world for all kinds of reasons, but one of the reasons he came was not to get rid of the law. It was to fulfill the law in a way that we never could. And this is the good news of the life that Jesus provides, the perfect sacrifice that he is, is that Jesus lives out the law. He, he shows us in, with human skin on what it means to, to look at God and to see his face, and he lives the kind of life that is the fulfillment of that law, the righteous are now those who are rooted not in the law of the Lord, but because that law has been fulfilled in Jesus, the righteous as new covenant people are people who are rooted in Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of the law given centuries ago. And there's a couple of places that Paul talks about this that I want to briefly take us to. The first is in the book of Colossians. Colossians, Paul's writing to the Christians at Colossae, the early church, and this is what he says to those who are there. 
going back to this image of rootedness and back to this image of trees that are planted firm. This is Colossians 2, beginning in verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, where do we root ourselves? We are to be rooted in Jesus Christ. And he warns us. He says, look, people are going to come in and through all kinds of hollow philosophy and teaching, they're going to try to take you aside. And if you're like Shaft, if you're like the evil, you're going to get blown away by that. But if you find your rooting, if you find your foundation in Jesus Christ, there's nothing that will take you off course when these teachers who are false come in. The other place that Paul talks about this idea is in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, I want to read briefly. Again, the same image Paul uses. Ephesians 3 beginning in verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, Paul says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Again, Paul comes back to this image of a tree and he says we are rooted in Christ. And here again he says we are rooted in the love of Christ. Now growing up in the church that I did, I I thought about rooting and about trying to become firm. And the way I thought about that, and this may be unique to me, was about uh, knowledge. That if I could know enough that when then, then when the, the difficult moments come, then I can be rooted in faith and the knowledge that I have. But what I found was in the moment of my greatest knowing or coming to knowledge while I was in school, sin still found a way into my life. The knowledge couldn't keep that out. And what Paul says is, look, there is a love that even surpasses that knowledge. There's a love that is actually the, the, the heart of this. We're to be rooted not in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What Paul says is we're to be rooted in the love of Jesus Christ. And so Paul uses this image over and over again. So let me summarize again what we've been talking about this morning. We want to be people who produce fruit. Amen? And in order to produce fruit, that's above the ground, but what has to happen is we have to have our roots firmly rooted in the source of life. And what is the source of that life? Paul says over and over again, be rooted in Jesus Christ. Meditate on that kind of thing. Have your feet firmly planted in the ground. Amen? So for the next several months, we're going to go back to the basics of our faith. We're going to, uh, because what I'm finding in the world in my conversations with people is that too often people hold the name Christian and they don't seem to have a sense of who Jesus is as Scripture reveals him. How many of you are having those conversations with people, maybe neighbors, and they claim some sort of association with Christianity, they might claim to be a Christian, but deep down they don't really know who Jesus is and I think that's a shame that people would walk out of church after 18 years of growing up in a church and not know who Jesus is. We want to be a church that plants that faith deeply in our kids. 
The same goes for us. This isn't just about our kids and the next generation. This is for us. We need a rooting in Jesus Christ because he's the source of all life. See, we can't assume what we have assumed for many years because we don't live in the world that many of us grew up in. We must equip ourselves and the generation coming up for the world as it is to be. So it's time for us to remind ourselves of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I guess I want to launch that question to you a little bit this morning. What is the gospel? I mean, later today, you might have this question thrown your way. Maybe one of these days your neighbor is going to come up and say, I'm interested in this whole gospel thing. You're a Christian, so you must know about that. What is the gospel? And what, I'm curious what your response would be in that moment. What would be your answer? And we need to have a, a, an answer for the hope that we have. This is something that I want us, by the end of this series, for all of us to have a firm sense that we would know exactly what we would say. And not just a message that says, here's about Jesus, but here's how that message of Jesus has given me hope and has changed my life. And that's the good news for me, and I think it can change yours as well. Because the truth is, until we know this news is good for us, we'll never share it with anyone else. It's got to be owned in our own lives. And so over the next few months, this is going to be our, our opportunity is to walk through this uh, again. Now, uh, many of us might answer this question, what is the gospel differently? And I want to just clear up one thing as we get into this series. A lot of times when I've heard the gospel talked about, the way I've heard it described is the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. It's to believe the right things and to, be, to follow in obedience and to be baptized in his name. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you this morning, that is not the gospel. The gospel is not what we do The gospel is what Jesus has already done. This is talked about all throughout the gospels over and over again. The good news is what Jesus did on the cross. He came to earth. He died on a cross. He lived a perfect life. He was raised on the third day. And do we have a response to that good news? Absolutely we have a response to that good news. But sometimes the way I hear this talked about, it's more like good advice than it is good news. And advice is, if you'll do this then God will do this. That's advice. But the good news is, no, God has secured salvation for everyone who confesses his name, who is baptized into his name, who commits their life to his way of life. That's the good news, and our response is, I'm all in. It's what Rachel did this morning, isn't it? And many of us have made that decision to follow him, but it's important for us to see that the good news can never be about our action. The good news is about what Jesus has done. This is what Paul passes on in 1 Corinthians 15 as a matter of first importance. It's about what Jesus did. And we're called to respond, but our response is not the good news. The good news is what Jesus has done on our behalf. So in order to root ourselves in Jesus, we're going to go on a journey through the good news. And we're going to use something that got passed on to me a little uh, bit ago that's been real helpful this last year. And it's actually the symbols you see on the screen as a way of entering into the story of the good news. About a year ago, there was a group from the Whites Ferry Road Church of Christ in Monroe, Louisiana that came up and talked to our, our, our leadership about Celebrate Recovery and how their program had gone down there. But one of the things they passed on to us were, were these bracelets. I've been wearing this for about a year now. And it, it has these symbols on it. And, and all of a sudden, it, it kind of opened up in a whole new way to me that this is the story of Jesus. The first of those symbols is an arrow pointing down. It talks about the incarnation of Jesus, God coming in flesh. And that's what we celebrate in Christmas. It's the series we'll begin next week as a part of this larger series. 
The second symbol is the cross. Of course, this is such an important part of our faith is that Jesus died. He was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. The third symbol is the empty tomb. That he didn't stay in the grave, that he was resurrected. The fourth symbol is that he ascended to be with the Father, that we live in the midst of a kingdom that's here, but it's not fully here yet. And then finally, our hope in the end is that Christ will return. And so we're going to walk through this, these symbols as a way of rooting ourselves in this story. This is the story of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the action that God has already brought and promises to bring in the days to come as well. So next week we're going to begin with the Christmas story, with the incarnation story, with Jesus coming to earth. It's the story we celebrate at Christmas. And I'm here to tell you, this is a story that's unique to Christianity. There's no other religion in the world that can claim a story that says that God himself came to become a human and actually die on humans' behalf. That is a unique story in the history of the world. So we're going to get to share that good news again as we remember this Christmas season, what the real reason for this season is. I'm excited. I've been waiting for this series for months. I've been praying for this series for months because this is what I believe. North America is in desperate need of more redwood trees that are going to stand up in the midst of this culture. North America is in need of more churches and churches that will plant other churches and have a dream for the world to share this message with the rest of the world. And that has to start with us. It has to start with us getting back to the basics, getting back to the root that is our source of life, Jesus Christ and his story. Now, I'm not a future teller, but I believe this, that this is the day, this is the age where God needs gospel-centered churches who are rooted in the good news and are able to share that message with others. So what do you say? Are you in? In for the journey ahead? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this story. It's not a fable. It's not a myth. We believe it actually happened. And it upset everything in the Roman world. No longer could people just claim that Caesar is Lord. They said that Jesus is Lord. And we still say the same thing today, God. We trust in this story. We trust in the resurrection. We trust in your grace and in your mercy and in your action. And God, we respond and we want to respond to that action. So God, would you form us in this way? Would you open us up to this story again? Would we see it with new eyes so that we might have our roots planted firm? Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I plan this series with you all in mind, but I want to let you know for sure that I plan this series with guests in mind as well. People who don't know the story of good news. And so right now, I want you to think, who is it in your life that may be a person that needs some good news in this season? Who's the face or the name that comes to mind? Maybe it's somebody in your family you've been praying for for years. Keep the prayer up. The story's not finished. The last chapter has not been written. Maybe it's someone that you're getting to know in a relationship and you realize they don't seem to know Jesus or have a hope for their lives. I don't know who it might be in your life, but I want to ask you in this week to think of who that person might be for you that, that you're hoping God will provide you an opportunity, an opening to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And in just a moment... After this service is finished, after our benediction, I want to invite you. Actually, I want to do more than invite you. I want to make sure every one of you does this, okay? I want to ask you, if you would, after service, to go to one of these tables. There's there's two in the front. There's two near the back on the sides. There's one uh, actually out the doors to the rear. And there are these bracelets that are in, in buckets around. And you'll notice some canvases that are spread out on these tables as well. Each of those canvases has one of these symbols on it. We're going to put this up somewhere in the church as a reminder. What I want to ask you to do is, whoever's name you're thinking of right now, 
that you want God to in some way open up his good news to, or you're praying that you might have an opportunity to share that good news, I want to ask you to write that name on that canvas. You don't need to necessarily write the last name. We're not asking for anything where we can cross it out once God brings them to faith. That's not what this is. It is a reminder for us, though, through this series. This is not just about us. It's not just about our kids. It is about those things. But it's about all those who don't yet know Jesus. And our leaders are going to pray over those boards. Every time you pass by those in the hallway, wherever we end up putting those up, I want to invite you to do the same thing. Pray for the names because God wants to bring good news to those who are in deep need of that news. Amen? So after I'm finished, if you would go to those tables, write down that name, take a bracelet, and that bracelet will be a reminder for you of the good news. It'll be an opportunity for you to pray every time you see it for the person that you have in mind and the names that others have. But I'll tell you, this is an opportunity to share the good news as well because I've been wearing this for the last year and a couple of weeks ago, uh, I actually had a lady at the Allen football game who saw it and said, what is, what's that about? It's, just, it's a conversation starter you'll find if you begin to wear that on a regular basis. We want to be people with good news who share the good news who don't keep it to ourselves.